Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store. So hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in store only. One time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Think It Ain't Illegal Yet. I'm your host, St. Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken words. And other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think. You've heard the criticism before that President Obama won't use the phrase radical Islamic terrorism. It appears that the shooter uh, was inspired by uh, various extremist uh, information uh, that was disseminated uh, over the Internet. He hasn't used the phrase before, and as Olivier Knox at Yahoo News points out, Mr. Obama almost certainly won't in the future. Olivier, set it up. Well, you know, Gordon, this has come up uh, basically since 9-11. This is a long-running debate about presidential rhetoric about American enemies and the war on terrorism. They boil it down to two factors. One is that American presidents are very hesitant to suggest in any way that Islam is a motivating force for this kind of violence. Uh, you know, President Bush was extremely careful to disassociate Islam from the 9-11 attacks, for example. He went to the Islamic Center in Washington, D.C., six days after those attacks to say, Islam is peace. These people have tried to hijack uh, the, a great religion. The same applies to Barack Obama. What they're trying to do is not needlessly alienate America's Muslim partners and allies in the global war on terrorism, but also they really, really, really don't want to legitimize the, the actions of these kinds of extremists by letting them cloak their violence in religion. But don't our Muslim allies dislike what these guys do in terms of, uh, as President Bush said, hijacking the religion? They absolutely do. The challenge is uh, that sometimes things get lost in translation. Sometimes when a uh, when a an American politician says radical Islam, uh, some folks in in some of the more uh, uh, orthodox forms of uh, of Islam get offended. In 2006, when George W. Bush started talking about radical Islam um, as a as a force behind these kinds of attacks, the Saudi government came out and said, "Hey, hey, hey, hold on." This is terrorism. It is not Islam. You have to separate the two. But these terrorists at times, right, say they're inspired or directed by ISIS, so they cry out, Allahu Akbar? Absolutely. Absolutely right. There, there is, but there's a difference between letting people uh, claim that they are acting on behalf of a religion and endorsing that claim. And that's the big concern for, for now two American presidents. Um, just because someone says they're acting on behalf of, of God does not mean they are. And presidents have just tried not to legitimize this kind of rhetoric. 
Interesting. We're speaking with Olivier Knox, Chief Washington Correspondent at Yahoo News. His piece is called Here's Why Obama Does Not Refer to Radical Islamic Terrorism. All right, so I thought I understood somebody say, too, that by President Obama not calling it this, uh, he's failing to identify the enemy, and that makes it more difficult to defeat. That is a recurring criticism of President Obama's rhetoric on this issue. Uh, Ted Cruz has said, has said stuff along those lines. But uh, Democratic House member Tulsi Gabbard has as well. There is a strain uh, of this argument that is, look, by not labeling it radical Islamic terrorism, you are failing to diagnose the problem, which means that you will fail to find the cure to the problem. Uh, that's, that's also been running since essentially 9-11. Um, the, the, the debate uh, ends up being about policies that might target American Muslims, for example. So um, one of the things that motivated both President Bush and now Barack Obama is that there have been occasionally some reprisals, some retaliation, some uh, attacks on American Muslims. And they worry that calls, uh, for example, from Donald Trump to ban Muslim immigration to the United States or to uh, surveil uh, all, of, all of the mosques in America, things like that. They worry about those things, uh, targeting individual populations in the United States, the Muslim population specifically in the United States. Olivier Knox, Washington correspondent at Yahoo News. America's First News is online all the time. Follow us on Twitter at This Morning Show. Like us on Facebook or send us an email. This Morning at CompassMediaNetworks.com. You gave me the ammunition back but in a breath took it away. With no room to move, I'm limited to what I can say as I live in a glasshouse box with this pile of accumulated rocks that are useless to me. I cannot cast one at thee, so I keep a stone-cold face to match your hot mouth pace as over the details I listen to you skip whilst I bite my bottom lip standing in my glasshouse box with my pile of collected rocks as I already know to the depths you're prepared to go but I'm limited to what I can cast when you keep throwing up the past into my face. Salt into the wound, bitter taste. I hired Michael Flynn I thought he'd be just fine Told him to cover my ass He told me to resign I hired the best people, the biggest Wall Street bankers. I hired Kellyanne, damn I'd like to spank her. I hired Michael Flynn to be my little whore, to help Putin make me win, to wage a global war. The best people, the super uber loyal. I hire the best people to sell my Trump snake oil. I hired Michael Flynn to be my little bitch. I'll do my dirty work with a Russian super rich. I hire the best people, the best and biggest donors. I hire the best people, the ones with the biggest boners. I hired Michael Flynn, he told me to resign. 
cataclysmic deceptions about Iran. There are a few choices more terrifying than the one Mr. Bush has left us with tonight. We have either a president who is too dishonest to restrain himself from invoking World War III about Iran at least six weeks after he had to have known that the analogy would be fantastic, irresponsible hyperbole. Or we have a president too transcendently stupid not to have asked at what now appears to have been a series of opportunities to do so, whether the fairy tales he either created or was fed were still even remotely plausible. The pathological presidential liar or an idiot in chief. It is the nightmare scenario of political science fiction, a critical juncture in our history, and contained in either answer, a president manifestly unfit to serve, and behind him in the vice presidency, an unapologetic warmonger who has long been seeing a world visible only to himself. After Ms. Perino's announcement at the White House last night that the timeline is inescapable and clear now, in August, this president was told by his hand-picked major domo of intelligence, Mike McConnell, a flinty, high-strung-looking, worrying warrior who will always see more clouds than silver linings, that what everybody thought about Iran might, in essence, be crap. Yet on October 17th, the president said of Iran and its president, Ahmadinejad, I've told people that if you're interested in avoiding World War III, it seems like you ought to be interested in preventing them from have the knowledge to make a nuclear weapon. And as he said that, Mr. Bush knew that at bare minimum, there was a strong chance that his rhetoric was nothing more than words with which to scare the Iranians. Or was it, sir, to scare the Americans? Does Iran not really fit in the equation here? Have you just scribbled it into the fill-in-the-blank on the same template you used to scare us about Iraq? In August, any commander-in-chief still able-minded or uncorrupted or both, sir, would have invoked the quality the job most requires. Mental flexibility. A bright man or an honest man would have realized no later than the McConnell briefing that the only true danger about Iran was the damage that could be done by an unhinged, irrational, chicken little of a president shooting his mouth off, backed up only by his own hysteria and his own delusions of omniscience. Not Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, Mr. Bush. The chicken little of presidents is the one, sir, that you see in the mirror. And the mind reels at the thought of a vice president fully briefed on the revised intel as long as two weeks ago, briefed on the fact that Iran abandoned its pursuit of this imminent threat four years ago. A vice president who never meant bothered to mention it to his boss. It is nearly forgotten today, but throughout much of Ronald Reagan's presidency, it was widely believed that he was little more than a front man for some never-viewed behind-the-scenes string puller. Today, as evidenced by this latest remarkable historical malfeasance, it is inescapable that Dick Cheney is either this president's evil ventriloquist, or he thinks he is. What servant of any of the 42 previous presidents could possibly withhold information of this urgency and this gravity and wind up back at his desk the next morning instead of winding up before a congressional investigation or a criminal one? Mr. Bush, if you can still hear us, if you did not previously agree to this scenario in which Dick Cheney is the actual detective, and you're the Remington Steel, you must disenthrall yourself. Mr. Cheney has usurped your constitutional powers, cut you out of the information loop, and led you down the path to an unprecedented presidency in which the facts have become optional, the intel is valued less than the hunch, and the assistant runs the store. The problem is, sir, your assistance is robbing you and your country blind. Not merely in monetary terms, Mr. Bush, but more importantly, robbing you of the traditions and righteousness for which we have stood at great risk for centuries. Honesty, law, moral force, 
Mr. Cheney has helped, sir, to make your administration into the kind our ancestors saw in the 1860s and 1870s and 1880s, the ones that abandoned reconstruction and sent this country marching backwards into the pit of American apartheid. Grant, Hayes, Garfield, Arthur, Cleveland. Presidents who will be remembered only in a blur of failure, Mr. Bush. Presidents who will be remembered as functions only of those who opposed them, the opponents who history proved right. Grant, Hayes, Garfield, Arthur, Cleveland, Bush. I don't know, everybody just doesn't know where to go. They won't let, everything is blocked off. You can't even, they're telling us to get out, but there's nowhere to go. Ground zero, 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 zero. Two towers, two towers, two towers, two towers. Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan. World Trade Center. September the 11th. An attack on civilization. Ground zero, zero, zero. The United States of America is on a coast-to-coast -coast state of alert. Conflict and fear. Destructive intentions of our enemies. War against civilization. New York. Innocent lives taken that terrible morning. New York. May God bless the victims, their families, and America. Catastrophic day for the United States. Freedom Tower. Freedom Tower. Freedom Tower. Ground Zero. Find the people behind this and bring them to justice. The Queen has expressed her disbelief and total shock at the events in New York and Washington. 50,000 people work in those towers every day. I just watched the place that I go to work in disappear before my eyes. Ash and debris is inches, feet deep in places. Suspected terrorist attacks um, have destroyed one tower of the World Trade Center in New York. The other second tower has also collapsed, and the Pentagon building in Washington is on fire. Huge clouds of dust and rubble engulfing much of central Manhattan. There will be a psychological impact on America today. This is really the ultimate uh, symbolic terrorism act. New York. Terror on the streets there in New York. You sort of have this feeling that something else is going to happen. Ground zero. Manhattan in a state of shock, one would imagine, this morning. One of the most wonderful sights was looking out onto the Twin Towers. The New York skyline changed forever. Its most famous, its most visible landmark, gone in a puff of smoke and rubble. Terror on the streets there in New York. People in the streets desperately trying to get to pay phones, to, to um, cafe and restaurant phones, so they can call friends and relatives and tell them that they were still alive, that they had survived this. Another anniversary is observed. To carry out any one of these attacks would be almost unbelievable um, within the United States itself. September the 11th, two towers. Innocent lives taken that terrible morning. Ground zero. There are quite frightening eyewitness reports of people in the floors and below the site of impact from the World Trade Center towers jumping from the windows. Uh, to try and get out of the building um, and people on the ground screaming every time another person uh, tried to leap from the building to escape this glass world trade center manhattan new york new york new york 
no one is safe. Nearly 3,000 people were killed that day. When those towers collapsed, there would have been hundreds, if not thousands, of members uh, of the fire department, the police department, ambulance workers on the ground below there. Many of those may well have died there. This place will always be sacred ground. Somewhere in that finely sifted heap of debris are the remains of my missing brothers. Missing brothers. Missing brothers. Missing brothers. Destructive intentions. Gary, I hate to break it to you. But the world is on the brink of disaster. All right, let's make this interesting. Weapon of mass destruction.
fate has made indestructible. His name, Captain Scott. Captain Scott. government might well collapse. It could start a global panic. Every spectrum agency is working on the problem. F.I.G. Leading the fight, one man fate has made indestructible. His name, Captain Scarlet. Captain Scarlet. Terrorize this. Deadly weapons technology. Saddam Hussein. Terrorist. Sworn enemies of Earth. Weapon of mass destruction. It could start a global panic. There's only one way to deal with terror. We must confront the enemy and stay on the offensive until these killers are defeated. Saddam Hussein, terrorist. First, they must destroy. Saddam Hussein, deadly weapons technology. Let's go, Captain Scarlet. F.I.G. Thirteen. I'll make that my lucky number. We must be thankful the world's capital is safe. F.I.G. Terrorize this. We hope you've enjoyed our program. And it remains for me to wish you a very good night. That's it. Night, Obama everyone. is no longer president. You might cry, you might be happy, but let's think for a moment about the environmental legacy he leaves behind. At home, Obama worked to lower emissions of greenhouse gases from cars and power plants, he's boosted renewable energy, and set new records for protected public land. On the international level, he has spearheaded climate deals like the Paris Accord, an agreement among nearly 200 nations to lower carbon emissions in the fight against climate change. The new president of the United States, Donald Trump, has vowed to dismantle all back. For the next four years, when it comes to climate policy, the place to watch isn't the White House, it's the courtroom. The courts is really the area of last resort for a lot of environmental groups and a lot of states that have supported the Obama administration agenda. A lot of environmental groups are gearing up to fight in any uh, anti-climate action by the Trump administration already. People are fully staffed up and fully ready to hit the green go button on litigation. Trump's record on the environment already isn't great. I mean, he said climate change is a hoax, and his actions so far don't bode well. He nominated ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson as Secretary of State. His pick for the head of the Environmental Protection Agency is Scott Pruitt, a man who sued the EPA over environmental regulations. His transition team also sent a questionnaire to the Department of Energy asking for the names of employees who worked on climate policy. That's really intimidating, even if Trump's team later said the questionnaire was not authorized. Most importantly, Trump vowed to scrap the Clean Power Plan, 
Obama's signature policy to reduce CO2 emissions. But rolling back the CPP won't be that easy. In fact, a lot of people are already trying. Two dozen states and industry groups have sued the EPA, arguing that it overstepped its authority under the Clean Air Act. If Trump's CPA tries to halt that lawsuit before a ruling is reached, several other states have vowed to sue the administration. The EPA has to follow the Clean Air Act and regulate air pollutants in the U.S. And in 2007, the Supreme Court ruled that greenhouse gases like CO2 are air pollutants under that law. In 2009, the EPA determined that greenhouse gases like CO2 endanger people's health and welfare. If Trump's EPA declares that greenhouse gas emissions are dangerous to the public, environmental groups would sue and probably win because... I, I, you know, I think it would be really difficult at this stage to argue in a legally defensible manner that there is not endangerment given what we're seeing with the Greenland ice melt, Antarctica, the more frequent storms or more frequent severe storms, I should say precipitation, changes, drought, many, many of which have been connected to human responsibility for CO2 and other climate-related emissions. In short, global warming. The courts are likely to hear cases on a host of other environmental issues. If endangered species aren't protected under the Endangered Species Act, environmental groups could sue the government for inaction. If Trump decides to undo some of the national monuments named by Obama under the Antiquities Act, that could also wind up in the courts. How the courts will rule is difficult to predict. Trump will be able to appoint a new Supreme Court justice, skewing the balance to the conservative side. Environmentalists also worry about some 100-plus judicial vacancies that Trump will be able to fill with his appointees. The Supreme Court will get a lot of attention, but the federal courts pose a much more immediate opportunity. A couple of openings are at the Second Circuit, which has ruled on water pollution before. Other openings are at the Ninth Circuit, which is important for endangered species cases. I think the Trump administration can do many damaging things, but ultimately the law is on our side, so we'll win cases if we have to bring them against these rollbacks. And we'll also find that they lose in the court of public opinion, because the public is in favor of these things, not against them. T-minus one minute and counting. Hey, let's just go for auto sequence start. 25. And we have a go for auto sequence start. Discovery's onboard computers have primary control of all the vehicle's critical functions. 15. 12, 10, 6, 4, 3, 2, 1, and boost recognition and Space Shuttle Discovery, taking the space station to full power for full science. This is Mission Control Houston. Discovery. Discovery's roll maneuver is complete and is now in a heads-down position on track for its flight to the International Space Station. Discovery flying 365 miles per hour, one and a half, one and a half miles in altitude, seven miles downrange from the Kennedy Space Center. Discovery's engines are throttling down as the orbiter passes through the area of maximum pressure on the vehicle. 
Discovery, go and throttle up. Discovery, go and throttle up. Three main engines on board are throttling back up. Now one minute, 12 seconds into the flight, Discovery flying at 1,800 miles per hour, 10 miles in altitude, and 11 and a half miles downrange from the Kennedy Space Center. From a flight controller perspective, we are always vigilant, wherever our crew members are, to make sure that they are in a safe configuration. All systems continue to function well, three good main engines, three good power generating fuel cells, and three good auxiliary power units for the hydraulic system. We'll now stand by for burnout and separation of the solid rocket boosters. Combined, the twin boosters provide 5.3 million pounds of thrust to propel the orbiter towards space. Discovery, two-engine TAL. Two-engine TAL. Discovery can reach a transoceanic abort landing in the event of a single engine failure. However, all three main engines are still operating well. Hey, good morning. I'm uh, Tony Antonelli. I'll serve uh, as the pilot for STS-119. Uh, the other missions are uh, space shuttle, robotic arm, and uh, suit up for the uh, spacewalkers. Good morning, Joe Cava. I'll be serving as a mission specialist one. I'll be on the flight deck for ascent and entry. I'll be working the shuttle robotic arm with Tony. I'm also part of the EVA team, and I'll be conducting two spacewalks. Hello, I'm Steve Swanson, MS-2 flight engineer for ascent entry. I'm also the lead spacewalker. I'm doing three of the spacewalks, and be the IV for another one. Hi, good morning. I'm Ricky Arnold, uh, MS-3, part of the EVA team, and uh, we'll be going out the door three times, and uh, IV in the other one. Good morning. I'm John Phillips, MS-4. I'm the uh, Space Station Robot Arm Operator, Loadmaster, and uh, one of the computer specialists on board. Good morning, uh, my name is Koichi Wakata, I'm an MS-5, and I'll be joining Expedition 18 as a flight engineer once we go to the space station. I'll be working with John on the Canada Arm 2, the Station Big Arm, and also working on the Space Shuttle's robotic arm with, uh, with Tony and Joe. Thank you. Discovery, negative return. Discovery copies, negative return. Discovery is now flying too high and too fast to return to the Kennedy Space Center and the Space Shuttle Landing Facility in the event of an engine failure. Discovery, press to ATO. Discovery, press to ATO. Discovery, single engine ops three. Single engine ops three. Discovery flying at 9,000 miles per hour. Discovery, press to Miko. Press to Miko. Discovery, now that I've shut down, go for the blend up. No go for the pitch. Discovery, single engine press 104. Good readback. Single engine press 
by television. Imagine this, a consciousness, a human consciousness, with no memory of anything, with no sense of sensation, with no knowledge of self, but which is suddenly exposed to 10,000 simultaneous channels of TV. It's going to make you a bit mad, but it's also, you're going to think that what you're seeing is, this is what I am. Truth is a commodity in short supply, ruled by corporations and governed by television. Understand that behind the screen there is a consciousness and an agenda and that that agenda might not always be on your side. What is news? Who says what? Who says what stories go where? These processes that inform you aren't neutral. They may not be in your best interests. Almost the whole world is asleep. Everybody you know, everybody you see, everybody you talk to. Only a few people are awake and they live in a state of constant Total amazement. That's the whole trouble with this, Walter. None of this is real. That's right. Don't be such a wimp watching the boob tube all the time. Yeah, tune us off. Tune into people like your wife and kids. I don't have a TV. How do you exist? Yeah, turn it off! Yeah, turn it off! Turn it off! Turn it off! Turn it off! Every day something happens in the world. It's news. It gets gathered at the office of the newspaper or the television station and it gets broadcast out because a handful of people basically decide what's important and want to tell the rest of the world what's important. Ruled by corporations and governed by television. Do not adjust your What if you could control someone's inspiration? It would be like touching their mind. Think of how fun it could be. And think of how dangerous it could be if used for evil. What did you say this projector and a bottle is called? Television. Truly dreadful invention. I do hope it never catches on. I sense a darker truth at work here. Gerbner and Gross developed a hypothesis known as cultivation theory. Cultivation theory says that over time, watching television alters a viewer's perception of reality their view of the real world starts to march in step with that of the televised one. And the more frequently an image or event is depicted on screen, the greater significance the cultivated viewer attaches to it in the real world. I sense a darker truth at work here. This week, how TV ruined your life by trying to actually tell you stuff. Don't say it, don't say it. it did. Yeah, I'll tell you something which really annoys me. Yes, Tom. Which nobody tells the fucking truth about, and that's how much television affects people. I mean, kids, you know, elderly people, all that sort of type, they watch television and they get very influenced by it. Yeah, and I speak from personal, you know, personal knowledge. This week, how TV ruined your life by guffing dreams into your living room. Don't say it didn't. It did. Truth is a commodity in short supply. I'm sorry to have contaminated all of you with a dose of reality. Everything that's real, you're not looking at that anymore. This is really the future. Don't be such a wimp watching the boob tube all the time. Yeah, tune us off. Tune into people like your wife and kids. Does the brain control you, or are you controlling the brain? I don't know if I'm in charge of mine. <laughs>
What's reality? Does anybody know? Could you excuse us for a minute, sweetheart? Do I have to? Yes, go in the other room and watch TV. I don't have a TV. How do you exist? Ruled by corporations and governed by television. Do not adjust your set. Hi. In the interest of truth, whether the journalists we have on the ground now are as pure of heart, let's watch television this evening and find out. Would, 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 would that we could let this president off the hook by seeing him only as marionette or moron. But a study of the mutation of his language about Iran proves that though he may not be very good at it, he is himself still a manipulative Machiavellian snake oil salesman. The Bushian etymology was tracked by Dan Frumkin at the Washington Post website, and it is staggering. March 31st, Iran is trying to develop a nuclear weapon. June 5th, Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons. June 19th, Consequences to the Iranian government if they continue to pursue a nuclear weapon. July 12th, the same regime in Iran that is pursuing nuclear weapons. August 6th, this is a government that has proclaimed its desire to build a nuclear weapon. Could you tell me where the nuclear vessels are? No. Ooh, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think it's across the bay. Notice a pattern? Trying to develop? build or pursue a nuclear weapon. Then, sometime between August 6th and August 9th, those terms are suddenly swapped out. So suddenly, that only in retrospect we see that somebody has warned the president, not only that he's gone out too far on the limb of terror, but that there may not even be a tree there. McConnell or somebody must have briefed him then. August 9th, they have expressed their desire to be able to enrich uranium, which we believe is a step toward having a nuclear weapons program. August 28th, Iran's active pursuit of technology that could lead to nuclear weapons. October 4th, you should not have the know-how on how to make a nuclear weapon. October 17th, until they suspend and or make it clear that they, that their statements aren't real, yeah, I believe they want to have the capacity, the knowledge, in order to make a nuclear weapon. Memories of the 67 atomic and thermonuclear weapons test, the blast disrupted life and contaminated the land. Before August 9th, it is trying to develop, build, or pursue a nuclear weapon. After August 9th, it's desire, pursuit, want, knowledge, technology, know-how to enrich uranium. Wake up, George. And we are to believe, Mr. Bush, that the National Intelligence Estimate this week talks of the Iranians suspending their nuclear weapons program in 2003, and you talked of the Iranians suspending their nuclear weapons program on October 17th, and that term suspending is just a coincidence. And we're to believe, Mr. Bush, that nobody told you any of this until last week. Your insistence that you were not briefed on the NIE until last week might be legally true, something like what the definition of is is, but with the subject matter being not interns, but the threat of nuclear war. Legally, this might save you from some kind of war crimes trial, but ethically, it is a lie. It is indefensible. You have been yelling threats into a phone for nearly four months after the guy on the other end had already hung up. You, Mr. Bush, are a bald-faced liar. We regret that the number you have dialed is disconnected or unavailable. For further information, please call International Directory Assistance on 1225. This communication has ended.
And moreover, you must have realized that John Bolton and Norman Podhoritz and the Wall Street Journal editorial board are now also bald-faced liars. We are to believe that the intel community, or maybe the State Department, cocked the raw intelligence about Iran, falsely diminished the Iranian nuclear threat to make you look bad, and you proceeded to let them make you look bad. You not only knew all of this about Iran in early August, but you also knew it was all accurate. And instead of sharing this good, calming news with the people you have obviously forgotten to represent, you merely fine-tuned your terrorizing of those people to legally cover your own backside, while you filled the factual gap with sadistic visions of... As you phrased it on August 28th, a quote, nuclear holocaust. As you phrased it on October 17th, quote, World War III. Look at it, it's absolutely bloody mental. Bombs all over the place. Wapa, larva. My comments, Mr. Bush, are often dismissed as simple repetitions of the phrase. George Bush has no business being president. Well, guess what? Tonight, hanged by your own words and convicted by your own deliberate lies. You, sir have no business being president. Good night and good luck. Excuse me, sir. Can you direct me to the naval base in Alameda? It's where they keep the nuclear wests. We will control the vertical. We will control the vertical.
resist an illusion? How do you resist an illusion? We will control the vertical. And I never knew And I 
a picture like art out of all those in the gallery put this in your cart though these words cannot be bought but given to the most holy men and the one stuck in prison to listen and learn as you start to see my vision hindsight's 2020 we learn from our past but we must look towards the future if we are to last this is for the haves and the have-nots we take all our cultures and we stir the pot we must coexist if we are to survive, for the other route only leads to genocide. Nobody should hide who they are deep inside. Who you were born to be must be you when you die. Fear is not stronger than love no matter what you've been told, though power corrupts and makes ignorance bold. Bring something to the table if you wish to have a seat. We all must survive, so we all have to eat. I bring peace to the meal, it's the best food for thought. And even better in action, despite what they brought. Some are caught in a wave of madness and turmoil. But we all must have love for each other and our soils. My food cannot spoil, for it was never meant to. Take a look at why you're here and why God has sent you. The present is a present. Matthew means gift from God. I'm grateful for my name. It helps me get even with the odds. This truth can seem odd to those who wish not to see. We must stand up for what's right and know never to flee. We plead for guidance from leaders who do not try to feed us. Ones if we turned against might try to beat us. But that does not leave us no hope or doubt. Only faith in what's right and faith in ourselves. We all stand strong and can never collapse. We must quit all our drugs and refuse to relapse. Our minds get in states that we're never meant to travel to. A war will rage on, and all you'll do is battle you. We must keep it true through the lies some will weave, tangled webs in our heads only meant to deceive. Do not give in to greed or lust. Put aside all your wants, look out for your needs and love. I hold a torch in the darkness, hoping to guide the way to a world filled with peace and brighter days. If you've passed by my painting, I beg you, take a second look. Though it's only a page, it's worth more than some books. 
I will pump out these poems till the day that I pass. If I do not live on to see our bright future, through you I will last. Or scientific exploration are vital to American life. We need to keep growing. We need to keep pushing back the boundaries of our, of our knowledge. A society that only looks inward will get passed by by other societies. is full. 
Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new red-hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry.